Welcome to our podcast, A Better Tomorrow, hosted by me, Evelyn, and my co-host, Tuha. Today's guest is Therese Lundstedt, CEO of Urban Green AB, one of Sweden's leading green tech companies, specialized in green roofs and roof landscaping. On today's episode, we discuss the beginning of Urban Green AB, the definition of green roofs, stormwater management, and the benefits that green roofs provide to our cities and properties. Hey, Therias, how are you? I'm good, how are you guys? We're good, we're good. We're really excited that you wanted to join us today. Me too. Um, so let's start uh, from the very beginning. Who is Therese? And tell us a little bit more about yourself and uh, Urban Green AB. Hmm? Uh, so my name is Therese Lundstedt and I'm, uh, I actually have a, my background as in, is in finance and digital business. Um, so I've been working in finance for like over 15 years and digital business. Um, my last job in finance was uh, a stock brokerage called Aktie Invest that we sold uh, two years from now ago. And then during this time in finance, the sustainable companies were uh, getting bigger and more and more we're talking about sustainable ways to, to live and work and build companies. And I got really interested in that area. So I thought I have to learn more and I want to contribute to this to these companies as well. So I decided to only accept board jobs uh, within uh, green tech or, or green or clean tech companies. So then I joined the board of Climon, an energy company, and the board of Urban Green uh, three years from now, uh, three years ago. Uh, so that's how it started. Uh, and then I uh, sat on the board for two years um, and thought this company is really exciting. And one year ago, one and a half year ago, uh, our CEO said, I really want to work more with sales. That's my thing. I don't want to be the CEO. And then our biggest owner, uh, that's called Spiltan, an investment company, uh, thought I should take over as a CEO. And I thought, well, yeah, why not? Uh, why not make this a full-time job then? So then I joined the company. So have you been interested in working in the green uh, you know, sustainable companies before? Yeah, of course I have. And I, I try to actually integrate uh, sustainable ways of thinking in all the businesses at Axie Invest as well. Uh, we did some, some green tech or sustainable um, inventions, you can say. We try to make people um, do the screening of ESG uh, on their stocks and, and funds and actually help people to, to make more... Um, sustainable or more enlightened choices when it comes to investing as well. So I've been working with some of the things before, but not this hands-on as it is to, to cultivate actually uh, vegetation that lands on roofs. That's a lot more green than I've done before, of course. So yes, about roofs, green roofs. Tell us a little bit more about Urban Green. How did it start? Yeah, uh, Urban Green is a green tech company. Uh, we're constructing green roofs, uh, we do roof landscapes, and we're also cultivating sedum and other vegetation. Uh, and we do it to make our cities more green and sustainable, 
so since 2014, we've been building hundreds of green roofs that actually prevent urban heat island effects. We're increasing biodiversity and we're also uh, help to detain stormwater uh, to prevent flooding as well. So, so this company is not that old. Uh, our founder, Pat Nyström, founded this in 2014 and we've been uh, actually becoming a big one uh, uh, for the last years. So we're growing. That's really great. Can you elaborate more on what a green roof is for those that don't know about it? Yeah, sure. Uh, and why do you have them? I, I guess a lot of people are working asking. Uh, these days, actually, all the, the sedum that's also often is the vegetation that we have on roofs, actually, uh, there's flowers on it. So you can see really, really beautiful uh, green roofs right now where you run Sweden. But the thing is that since we're, our cities are growing by the minute, right? They're getting bigger and bigger each day. Uh, so the formerly green areas uh, that we had in the cities when they were small or smaller are actually replaced with hard areas today. Uh, it's concrete, right? In the cities or asphalt or, or buildings with tin roofs, etc. Instead of the form of green areas. And that gives us some actually big environmental problems when we're taking away the green areas and, and actually replacing them. And mm. one of the, the three actually big areas, I think that's the biggest problems. One is the stormwater runoffs. Another one is habitat loss. And the third one is that we're creating actually urban heat islands that are making the temperatures in our cities warmer than the surrounding areas. That's what Greta is talking about, right? Uh, I heard about the urban heat uh, island mm -hmm. issue. Is that an issue here in Sweden? Uh, yes, it is. In Stockholm? It's, it's an issue in every in the city, actually, because all these the green areas uh, are reflecting the sun in a different way than a hard area. Is like a tin roof. So they work in different ways when the sun actually hits them. And that makes us that all the, the hard areas, concrete and tin roofs and stuff, are, are actually increasing the temperatures in the city. So if you, if you measure the temperature in a city and just outside it, in Stockholm, I know that they've done some measurements in Stockholm City and outside of Hellas Gården, that's a few kilometers outside the city, like green area and woods and stuff. And actually, it's seven degrees Celsius, the difference is these two spots. So that's a lot. And that's because of the green areas can handle the sunlight in a different way than, than the cities. And that's because the, the cities are warmer and then we need more energy to lower temperatures within the buildings and the surrounding areas. So that's, one of, that's the problem with urban heat islands. And does it have an effect on the animal? Yeah, if you talk about biodiversity, uh, of course, uh, if you look at the vegetation, of course, biodiversity is, is taken away. If you just take away the green areas, uh, there's fewer flowers and plants and stuff like that. But also uh, the pollinators, as all the all the bees and that we had need to, to actually fix us food, right? <laughs> we see that it's in, you know, in China, they're doing this by hand now and making all this to pollinate and new greens and areas like that. So we need our, our bees and, and all these kinds of animals to, to help us um, to create new food. And there you can see also, if you take away the green areas, you take away the plants, take away the flowers, and they also, that's the habitat loss problem. 
So that also, if you add some more, uh, like B streets you can talk about when bees are actually flying into the cities, if they can find uh, food, if they find flowers, they will search the areas and just keep to contribute um, to new areas. So, so that's a big loss as well. The habitat loss is a big one. Is it like uh, new buildings that you work with or is it old buildings when it comes to the sedum? Yeah, it's usually new buildings uh, because of the uh, requirements in Sweden. But if you're going to build a new, uh, a new real estate building or house, you have to have a solution that will detain um, stormwater and help with stormwater runoffs. So that's because so a lot of new buildings are built with that kind of solutions. And if you and the see them, the green roofs is one way. To handle it you can do different ones as well but if you make it a green roof you also help with a lot of the other issues the habitat loss and the storm and urban heat islands so it's a better way you know to do to help uh, help with some of the uh, many problems that we have in the cities mm. of course existing buildings also could use this more but there's no regulations uh, for for existing property owners which i think is really uh, that's too bad because we need to push them more. We need to make them do more with their their buildings. And you know, you can add vegetation just around outside the railings for for houses or on small areas. Every square meter actually counts in the cities. And if you add vegetation to those, you will help uh, the city. So, so I think we should have some some tougher. Uh, requirements for all existing property owners certainly i was also thinking because we we have been discussing the external benefits that mm -hmm. green roofs bring to a city but what are the internal benefits for the people inside the building actually these days it's it's a huge win when you talk about the covid or, or corona uh, because you know you need to to be more outside. You take meetings outside. You take, and a lot of our our companies that we work with, or building for, or property owners, are actually building um, like roof landscapes. When you can actually take meetings, you can you can use the roof. Uh, I think a lot of us maybe have been at at rooftop bars in Sweden or, or abroad and they're really nice usually to, to six it's, it's more quiet up on the roofs right it's beautiful surroundings the view is really great everywhere you know and, and in on these areas you can also add vegetation and build them in a really sustainable way you can use what kind of trees you you work with and you can you can build um, you know ways to plant stuff and add a lot of different flowers that will help them and the biodiversity. So I think that the, the property owners that have built these roof landscapes and actually um, managed to, to construct them in a way that you can take meetings up on the roofs, then their employees actually will see the, see the sun, they get some sunlight and they will get some fresh air every day up on the roof. And uh, so some of those property owners have actually have rules that between a few hours of a day, only the people working at companies in the building will have access to these areas to have their meetings and stuff. And maybe at night they have bars and restaurants and stuff. And that way 
uh, both employees and people in the city uh, can can use those. So I think the people that have been building those uh, ahead of Corona are really happy now because people can actually meet still in their companies. So Definitely. it's good for the health. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. really good. You know, there's so many studies that that are showing that uh, it's good for your for your health um, and sick physical and, and psychology uh, effect, you know, to be around in the forests or in areas when you're more green. So I think that that's good for us. It calms us down. Definitely. I think in Sweden, we're quite good with um, being outside as well, because we have so much access to, to nature. Mm -hmm. But I really like this, uh, this green roof. I, I, I really love the idea. Um, and you also write about stormwater management on your mm -hmm. website. Um, yeah. Could you please tell us a bit more about what it is and why it's needed? Actually, I got stuck in, in floodings on my way home today. Uh, oh no! <laughs> it was such a bad weather and it was raining and, and actually all the cars had to stop. Uh, so I, I really got the feeling of stormwater <laughs> on yeah. my way home today. And, and you know, uh, I don't think that people think about uh, the stormwater management on an everyday basis, like we do, but uh, the storm is like, you know, when it's raining or snowing or thing is, and our cities has to take care of all this water, right? And our city's wastewater treatment systems, they were built um, around 60 to 80 years ago, when the cities were smaller, right? Uh, less citizens, more green areas still around, and smaller um, small cities, and they actually had we had uh, not this crazy uh, stormwaters that we have today due to to all this climate change. So, so back then we had uh, systems that were actually correct for the size of the cities. There were green areas, parks, trees uh, that took care of some of the stormwater. But today, all these green areas are replaced with buildings, etc. Uh, and we're getting heavier rainfalls uh, that actually lead to floodings in cities today. Uh, so these green roofs, if you add sediment and these solutions for stormwater runoffs, um, the sediment alimentation actually can detain the stormwater and will also purify the water on its way to the, to the wastewater systems. So it's helping the cities and the wastewater systems uh, when it's detained on the way down. Okay, so you also work with the stormwater management at Urban Green. Yeah, our solutions, when we build a green, uh, green roof, the solution is to detain the stormwater. And you also have to see that it, it detains and slows the water down. And how do you plan for sustainable stormwater management in not just the Sweden, but frankly in the entire world? I think it's different what kind of rules you have in different countries, different cities. Um, a lot of cities, I think, are working with them. A lot, maybe not. Um, so I think that uh, it's an issue. Of course, we, we, we're really good at making regulatory changes and, and try to pay people for them. I, I would, as I said before, I would allow them to, to put some pressure on also existing property owners to do something to help the cities. Uh, every square meter counts. Just put some vegetation, some sedum on the roofs, whatever you can, and that will help with the, with the stormwater runoffs. And would you say that this is a trend that's like only in Sweden, or have you seen it in other countries? 
Christina had a concert as well. Um, I went to, to France last year with my mother and sister. I saw a lot of uh, see them on bus stops. Ah, <laughs> well. wow. Yeah. Paris is a good example when it comes to, to regulatory changes. And their mayor a few years ago, Anne Hidalgo, she has to put some really tough uh, goals for Paris as a city to be more sustainable and more green. And they did a lot of changes. And so it's, you know, when you see that someone is actually putting the finger on it and saying, we have to have goals for this, we have to actually evaluate people in companies in our cities to make a change, things will happen. And I think we have to do a lot of more of that in Sweden as well. But of course, you can see them in New York, you can see them in Paris and other cities as well. And Germany has, has a lot of sedum in it, a lot of cultivation of sedum. So yeah, of course, it's all around. Yeah, that makes me happy to hear. Yeah. <laughs> and how about individuals? Is, it, is there something that individuals can do that live in, in these green or in these urban areas? I think that uh, the biodiversity, of course, you can help. Maybe you have a balcony when you can have flowers or plant something that will, that will help them uh, to, to find their um, like habitats and, and, and food for them and just to, to land on maybe be a part of a B street uh, on the yeah. way. If you live in a garden, you can also uh, make some bee hotels where they can live and, and you can just um, drill some holes in, a, in some old wood and put out in your garden and that will help them. So I think that, and you know, you can also, a lot of the um, companies that are selling plants and, and flowers actually today uh, have science where it says this is good for qualities it's good for bees like this one more than this and so i think that you can choose actually which plants you have as well to help them even more so there is actually a lot of um i mean there's a lot of things that you can do yeah and you can have sedum yeah. on your on your roof back home or your garage or and actually a lot of people i think are looking at um to do a lot with with um with the, the sun, use the sun in different ways and energy, and you can actually mix those two different uh, sustainable ways to help. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. And speaking of the sun, this is actually something that I was wondering about because mm -hmm. I mean, we are both living in Sweden and we know the winter is really long <laughs> and cold. How does your roof deal with, or the sedum, like how does it deal with the coldness and the snow and the, the winter climate? Yeah, the sedum is the thing that we put on roofs mostly. Oh uh, yeah, we yeah. Say that as well. It's it's small little succulents that are, um, you know, if you don't, if you manage to kill all your plants at home, uh, after oh, a few years and a lot of money, you usually go and buy those plants to put at home, right? Like yeah. fat leaves, and it all, you don't need to water them; they survive anyway, right? Mm -hmm. That sedum is one kind of those. Mm -hmm. uh, and you know, you can find sedum in the wild environment and uh, you find it in the archipelago, you can find them in scratches and stuff and they can survive anywhere almost. And that's because they're really, they're good at detaining water once again. And Perfect. When they get water, they actually uh, save it in the leaves and that's why they don't need to get a lot of rain. So you never need to water a sedum roof or a green roof. And you have to take care of it uh, um, to put some uh, mineral on it and stuff like that every second year. But you don't have to do anything else like that. 
So instead, uh, when we cultivate sedum, we do that here in Småland, uh, where I live right now. Um, we have big fields, and you have to, to then you have to make it, given some some uh, water. But now when it's up on the roof, so okay. so it, yeah. it stops during the winter to grow. And uh, so we grow, we cultivate it all year round, but it stops growing. And then when it gets warm again, it's it's still uh, will grow for a while until the okay. beautiful. And it, it actually it gets flowers every year, so it's really beautiful as well. I saw some photos. Really it, beautiful. Yeah. they're they're pink and they're yellow and they're white. And it's uh, so today I, I was out there uh, at Vistland and they were all all um, what was it? Uh, pink flowers all over the mm -hmm. field. So it's beautiful. Oh, oh, I love it. And what are some of the biggest challenges that Urban Green has faced so far? Uh, I think the big challenge is to educate, to educate architects, educate uh, constructing companies, to educate property owners and, and make them uh, want to do more. Uh, understand what they can do, how can they uh, mix different kinds of vegetation, how can they uh, maintain their, their idea of a building and still add more uh, of sustainable ways to, to build them, uh, construct them, and make them want to try new things. We actually have, have been developing our products a lot. We've been uh, making a new way to actually grow sedum on the spot. We call it sedum miliotak. And that's a good way that we get lower or fewer transports roof that's good for the environment uh, so you can do more but we have to have customers that actually are willing to try and brave enough to do it to to find new ways and better ways every day to do this so it's uh, a lot to do but i think that i think the, the biggest challenge is to actually educate more more and more people and, and make them um, maybe loosen some of them old rules and, and ways of doing things um, and just you know it, it's a bit it's a bit more expensive sometimes okay but we'll do we as a company do we want to do more do we want to make a contribution do we want to be more sustainable do we actually have want to do something better uh, i think all companies have to ask themselves that and if they do want to do that they should uh, look around them and do what they can so how can we, as a collective in Sweden, as a country, strive for more green buildings? What do you suggest for the government, for example, to, to make this happen? I think that, that as, as I said before, uh, to put some pressure on property owners, to put some pressure on existing buildings. Uh, I think as an individual, you can always, you know, try to put pressure on where you live. Uh, in my building, I want to be should be a more sustainable building. Otherwise, I want to buy an apartment there or, or rent an apartment there. If I have a company, where should I put my company? The areas for us to work. What do I what do I ask when before I sign a lease? And do I ask, actually ask for better better area? Do I need some some rooftop areas for my employees to? exist someday during the day because it's good for them and it's good for the environment. I think that we all can just ask some more questions and maybe be willing to pay a little bit more for quality, for sustainable solutions. If we all do that, I think the customer pressure, it's worth so much more than regulatory pressure. 
Um, but I think we need both, both actually, to, to make a change. That's true. That's true. Because um, I, I mean, I believe that the, the misconception that might be with uh, green buildings is that people might think it's expensive, but mm -hmm. is it really? It might be more expensive than some, than some uh, other uh, solutions, but it also gives you more, um, you know, the, the areas underneath the sedum actually um, is you know, protected. So that will last longer than if you don't have sedum on it. So, you know, you have to look at it and you have to actually uh, put a longer timeline to everything, you know. If you count on it here and now, yeah, it's more expensive with a green roof than a tin roof, uh, almost every time. But if you want to to actually count on it for for a long time, if you want to count on it, maybe you lower the energy costs in the building, etc., uh, etc., etc. Et uh, and maybe if the regulatory uh, effects can be that you have to have this green kind of of uh, solutions in your buildings otherwise you get a higher tax or something and uh, maybe it's you know the difference isn't that big so yeah it that becomes on your count um you get more green uh, green points in these freedom liam uh, kind of certifications that a lot of uh, companies are following so it's worth it though yeah <laughs> if you build these roof landscapes you know you can have bars you can have restaurants you can use the area for so much more and actually we can see that a lot of companies that are renting their office spaces in buildings that have these rooftop areas for people to stay on and they won't leave their lease and if they leave they leave for a building with a new green uh, roof landscaping to move on so you know maybe you can actually and lower your pace of, of uh, people moving around the buildings and make them stay more. So that's a, that's a lower cost then again. So would you say there is a high demand uh, in regards to green buildings? Yeah, I would say that. I would say that, but you know, you have to have the, the knowledge to build it. You have to have the knowledge around the, the vegetation uh, and that's not everyone can do that. Uh, and I think that you, you can do it in so many ways. We talked about the roofs here. Uh, you should not forget about the courtyards. A lot of um, building areas have courtyards. I went to a beautiful courtyard in Hülle in, in Malmö uh, a few months ago that had these, um, these houses where they have the, the waste waste areas or waste houses that we usually have in, in courtyards. And they had surrounded that building with wires, uh, with, uh, with plants that would saper tiny their way up. So much more beautiful, right? Than the waste house in the buildings. A lot of them have wires from, from their balconies down to, to ground. So it's so beautiful. Uh, and it makes it more like living out in the, in the, in the green the parts of the city than in the center of, the, of Malmö. So you can do so much more. And I think the courtyards is, it's one way that we don't think about. You can do so much more there as well. Yeah, and it gives it so much more life, I think. Just yeah, seeing like wild, you know, flowers and greens. Yeah, and parking yeah. houses, you know, you have so many areas in a city where you can mm -hmm. design. It's, it's a little bit heavier, so, so the construction have to, to hold this and manage that, but usually you can do that. Yeah, yeah. 
And how does Urban Green contribute towards the Sustainable Development Goals? In many ways. Um, mm -hmm. We talked about some of them, you know, lower temperatures, um, handling the floodings, and uh, purifying water. Um, we also have solutions for, for lakes and other, uh, we can, we can put some, some uh, vegetation in those to, to help them purify as well. So, so in many ways, uh, biodiversity is another one. So I think we, a lot of the goals we're adding to actually. So that feels, feels really good. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And how can we inspire or you inspire other countries to follow suit? And to also implement green roofs. Yeah, I think I think we can. I think we have to um, to make more of them. I think we have to find new ways. We have uh, twelve roofs at Orlando Airport that have this Cedar Milieu talk, the patented way to to build Cedar roofs that are grown on the spot. I think uh, to actually show those as well, not only the rooftop bars, but to show these boring areas. Uh, how good it can be, how much it con can um, contribute as well. So I think we have to to make people, uh, company talk to each other and uh, put some pressure on that. Uh, and I think that we have to, to talk to each other uh, when it comes to in union, European Union and, and in the sustainable goals and just to add some good examples. I think um, a lot of people would do more if they know what to do. Uh, I like to think that as well. So I think the, the good examples need to get more, um, a bigger, brighter spot during the spotlight, like you guys do with this podcast. I think it's good. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. That means the world to us. Um, and I mean, honestly, there's so many benefits with green roofs. So I can't imagine anyone saying no <laughs> to this. So thank you for everything that you're doing. And um, so what are the long-term goals of Urban Green? We want to grow. Yeah. And <laughs> uh, we have a finance girl as a CEO now, so I want to grow. No, but I think we want to grow and we want to, to um, find new ways, as we've done before. Our, our founder, uh, Per Nysdrum, is a genius, a green genius, and he's taken the company um, until today with all his product developments and we have to to still uh, manage to, to take the company uh, into the future and don't be afraid to look into new solutions and dare to, to try new things, test new things, uh, find better ways to do things. We have to look into uh, transports even more, put pressure on that. We have to help our architects and construction companies to, to find new ways if they have, uh, have a a way to do something or, or, or you can also say don't don't do that do this way instead um, and a lot of people are actually making us do that uh, let us in in this process so i think we should grow we should not stop to to um, try to find ways uh, find ways to educate find ways to to try to make people more brave in their choices uh, and if we grow which we will and are doing, and uh, we will actually make the, the cities more sustainable in the same time. So uh, it's a good goal for everyone. Then. Yes, for sure. Um, so for the final two questions, these are questions that we ask all of our guests at the mm -hmm. end. And the first one is, 
the most important thing I can do to achieve sustainability is? I think that's what I'm doing, actually. I'm, I'm, I'm putting my time into companies that do good. I think that's a good one. If, you, if you're good at something, you should, you should try to work more with them. Uh, so that's what I'm trying to do. Um, I'm, uh, I'm still at the board at Climon, an energy company, and I'm now I'm CEO at Urban Green. So I'm trying to put all my efforts into companies that, that do good and will help the, the environment. So that's, that's one why I do it, and I think others can as well. I love it. And the last one, what's a positive message you'd like to express to our listeners? Uh, what's the, oh, that's a good one. I think that you, you can change things. Uh, might be small steps, but if you all take small steps, it might be like a big hurdle. <laughs> so uh, as I said, uh, never stop asking uh, people for, for better sustainable or greener solutions. Uh, be the be the really um, be the one that dares to to ask the difficult questions or uh, never stop wondering why why not why not the green roof why not the sustainable choice why not vegetation um, and I think we do that it we we can change. This was such an interesting topic for us to delve deeper into, and we hope you thought it was as well. We want to thank Therese for taking the time to come on A Better Tomorrow podcast. If you want to know more about Urban Green, you can find them at urbangreen.se or on Instagram, urbangreen.se. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe to our channel so you'll be the first to know when a new episode is out. See you guys next week. Mm-hmm.